Rocky Peak, and it's great to be with you. Um, my name is Pastor Michael, and I'm one of the pastors here at our church. And if this is your very first time, uh, I want to welcome you, especially if you're, you're joining us from distance. Every week, kind of more and more people are joining us from around the world, around the states and around the world. And so if you're one of those, I want to welcome you. And as, as Dre just mentioned, in just a moment, we're going to be going through our time of teaching. And so uh, inside, I was going to say inside your program is what I normally say, but uh, actually online, you've got, you can go up there and click on that, uh, that message note sheet and uh, kind of print that. I encourage you to do that before the service every week so that you're ready to go because we use them a lot here and that will be super helpful. Uh, so... Uh, anyway, so uh, I'm looking forward to jumping in this time of teaching. It's great to be with you again. I don't know about you, but it's like I feel like we're in a time warp right now, that every day feels like a week, uh, every week feels like a month, every month feels like a year or longer. I was talking with Lynn this week, and we were just realizing that, that this weekend uh, was the weekend I was still supposed to be in Israel. A trip one would have left. Uh, I was going to be in Tel Aviv for a couple days just resting up until trip two arrived. And we're going to be kicking off that trip two. And I'm telling you, that seems like years ago. And so it's so good to be back together this week. It feels like a long time since I've been with you. But it's so good to, to get together, to connect one another, and to pursue Jesus together. So, so glad you're, you're tuning in. And uh, we're going to go into our time of teaching right now. But I want to kick it off with some, uh, some prayer together. Let's pray together. Father, we're just so thankful for this time that we can gather really, literally around the world right now, that we are, we're tuning in from, from not only here in the four valleys we serve, but we're, we're tuning in from Europe, we're tuning in from Asia, we're tuning in, tuning in from Hawaii, that we're hearing from people all over the world tuning in to join us in this journey as we pursue you as a church to learn how to unleash a movement, a passion in Christ's followers. And so, Jesus... We just treasure this time. We're so thankful that in this time of social distancing, that we don't have to be spiritually distant, that we can gather uh, in our homes, uh, in our cars, in parks, wherever we are, uh, really around the world. We can gather together in your name, uh, come under the leadership of your spirit to pursue you together. So we pray you'd be with us as we go through this time together. You'd be our teacher, and we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone, including all these at home, said, Amen. Well, our story starts today late at night, and uh, they've been here all evening. They've been looking forward to this day for a long time, because this is a night of reunion. And uh, this team has gotten together. They haven't been all together for years, but they're back together now. They're excited to be together. They've had an incredible dinner. They've uh, caught up on all the new things that are going on in their life. But now it's time to reminisce. And you know how this is at a, at a reunion. As you begin to tell stories, and, and so one told this, so one told that. But, uh, but this story was one of this man's favorites. And uh, the moment he began to tell it, everyone went back in time. Everyone could begin to picture the scene. That, that long day, that hot day, and, and why it finally came to an end, and it was time for them to move on, and yet they knew they had hours to go. How they loaded up in the vessels, and they took off, and... The sun was setting and the night was falling. And then all of a sudden it began. The winds began to pick up. The waves began to rise. And before you know it, the, the waves were starting to come over the sides of the boat. And these were experienced men. This was not the first time they'd been in a storm like this. So at first, no one was panicking. But as time went on, as the winds began to howl, 
and the waves began to rise higher, and the boats began to be swamped. You could, you could see it in their faces if you could have seen their faces. It was too dark. They couldn't really see one another, but they could feel the panic. They could hear the panic in the voices as they're calling out to one another. And that's when it happened. Well, today, uh, we are continuing our journey through this new series that we started last week called How to Cope with a Crisis. And if this is your very first time here, I want to welcome you. I know that as I, I mentioned in the opening prayer, the people from around the world are, are joining us. So just whether you're local or whether you're uh, somewhere in California or you're somewhere in the States or you're actually literally around the world, uh, we just want to welcome you. And one of the things we learned last week is that when you turn to the Bible, one of the things that you see is that, uh, that much of the Bible, if not most, was either written during a time of crisis or is written to describe a time of crisis or it's written to direct us in time of crisis. And what we're doing in this series is just going back to the word to say, as followers of Jesus, what does the word tell us about what, what does it look like to follow Jesus, how to cope in times of crisis? Now, if you were here last week, um, we, we, we kicked off the series with a, a message called The First Step. And what we learned last week is that whenever we face a crisis in our lives, whether it's this current crisis we're facing as a culture or, or any crisis, that the first step is always to pursue God and to, uh, to, to seek God and to pursue Him in prayer. And of course, as I said last week, we're not talking about just a quick shoot me up, you know, help me Jesus kind of prayer, uh, though those are very appropriate. But we're talking about a time of, of really concentrated seeking the Lord, inquiring of the Lord, like King Jehoshaphat did last week when he gathered the whole nation of Israel to Jerusalem. They fasted, they prayed to seek the Lord to help them. And one of the things we learned is that, that when we seek the Lord, that we need to be radically honest in our prayers. That we need to be very straightforward about what our fears are, what our concerns are. It's there that God meets us, and then we need to be listening for his voice above all the other voices. What is God saying? Because it's only his voice in the midst of a crisis that can bring peace and power and perspective so they're able to take the next steps. And that's what we want to talk about today, that after we've connected with the Lord, we've sought him, we've been honest, we've been hearing his voice, we're experiencing his peace and perspective, where do we go from there? What are the next steps that we want to take? And so today, I want to outline for you or kind of share with you four key next steps that we need to take as we go through uh, a time of crisis. And so there in your note sheet, you have a section that's called How to Cope with a Crisis. You see right away, we've got the first step of seeking God and pursue Him in prayer. We talked about that last week. But today I want to talk about four more, and the first one is the most difficult to explain, but one of the most important. I think it's the next step we need to take after seeking God, and it's this step. We need to practice living in the present. We need to practice living in the present, and this is hard, and, uh, and, and this is going to actually, that's why I'm choosing the words carefully when I say practice living in the present, because we're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit and it's something we're going to have to practice on a daily basis. This doesn't come naturally. 
Now, this principle comes out of the teaching of Jesus. And in fact, if you were here at the top of the service when we were going through a time of worship, Sarah came out and recited for us a very famous passage of Scripture that comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, where Jesus talks about the importance of seeking first his kingdom and, and, uh, and living in the present. So if you have your Bibles, you have your apps, I'd like you to open up, turn on, and turn with me to Matthew 6, chapter, uh, just turn to Matthew 6. Now, uh, like, uh, like Dre said, uh, like Kelly said in the, in the, pre, uh, the pre, pre-message video, or pre-service video, uh, I'd really encourage you, if you're a new follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just checking out Jesus, you may not have a Bible yet, and there's an incredible app that's available on all the platforms uh, that's called YouVersion. And it's, it's spelled just like it sounds, like U-Y-O-U version. Um, and it's free app. And, and what you can do is it, you can download the Bible to your phone. And what's really cool is it's almost unlimited translations. So here at Rocky Peak, we use the version called the New International Version. That's what I'm going to be reading from. But if you've never done that before, highly, uh, highly encourage you to do that. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, let's open up to a very famous passage of Scripture. In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus of any length of time, chances are you know this passage because it's one of the most famous passages in all the Bible. So it's in Matthew 6 and verse 33. It's where we're going to start today. So Jesus is speaking, and he says, hey, as my followers, he says, I want you to seek first. So this is your top priority in your life. I want you to seek first his kingdom, the kingdom of God, kind of God's agenda on earth, and to seek his righteousness, kind of the right way to live, the path to life, uh, his character. And he said, and if you do this, all these things will be given to you as well. And in context, as we heard later, he's talking about the basic necessities of life. He's talking about uh, our food, our clothing, whatever we else we need to survive. He said, hey, if you seek first the kingdom, uh, then God will take care of you and he will provide everything else you need. And so that's a very famous verse. And probably most of us, if you're a longtime Christ follower or even a fairly new, most of us are fairly familiar with that verse. But it's the next verse that I want us to focus on today because this is the next step and it's the key to seeking first the kingdom. And it's verse 34 where Jesus says, therefore do not worry about what? Tomorrow, right? Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. It'll take care of itself. It says each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I hear an amen? Like every day, like each day has enough trouble of its own. And don't we know that in the midst of this crisis? And so Jesus says that as, as, a follow, as his followers, our top priority is to seek first his kingdom. God, what are you doing in my life? What are you doing in this situation? What's your agenda? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to pursue you? You're gonna seek first the kingdom. I'll take care of everything else. But he says, but in order to do that, you have to learn to live in the present. You have to practice the spiritual discipline of living in the present and not letting your mind run off to tomorrow's problems. You can't serve God today. You can't experience his presence today. You can't seek the kingdom today. You can't come under his leadership today if you're worried about tomorrow. 
Now, what I want to do is I want to go back to the start of this passage because in a sense, these two verses, verse 33 and 34, they really just summarize what he's been teaching in this entire passage that Sarah recited that started way back at verse 25. So I want you to, to follow, open your Bibles. We're going to go back to verse 25. We're not going to read the entire passage, but I want to highlight a couple things in verses 25 to 27. So Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, right? So underline that. He says, don't worry about your life. Uh, easier said than done, but he says, don't worry about your life, and he gives some examples. So don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you'll drink. Your body. So think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. He's saying the very basic needs of survival. He says, don't even worry about that. He says, because is, is your life not more than food? Isn't there more to life than just staying alive? Is there not more to your body than clothes? And then he says, hey, don't, don't forget, you know, earlier in this passage in, Math, in Matthew 6, he had talked to me, he said, when you pray, you don't need to go into great detail about everything you need because you don't need to keep going on and on because your father knows what you need before you ask him. And so he's, he's building on that, and he says, listen, your father runs the world. He not only created the world, he runs the world. And he says, so if he runs the world and takes care of the flowers of the field, takes care of the birds, they are, he'll also take care of you. And so he goes on, and he says, look at the birds of the air, verse 26. They do not sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns, and yet your heavenly father, your heavenly father, your heavenly father, he says, your heavenly father feeds him. Are you not much more valuable than they? And this is what Jesus is teaching. When we come to Jesus, we enter this new relationship with God where God becomes our father. And he loves us dearly. And he says, so you don't need to worry about all those things that the pagans worry about. They don't have a father but you don't need to worry about that. You have a father, he knows your needs, and he's gonna provide for you. And then he goes on, and, and by the way, verse 27, he says, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And so in other words, like worry doesn't even work. His point is that, hey, you know, that I know that worry seems like the responsible thing to do. Like, I, I know that when you're worried, you're like, at least I know I have a problem. I'm taking it seriously. But he said, actually, worry doesn't help. It doesn't work. You, it doesn't matter how much you worry about how, how you're going to eat or how much you're going to drink or how you're going to take care of yourself. You can worry all day, but you won't live an extra hour from all that worry. So worry doesn't really work. And so Jesus said, because of that, he says, because of who you are as my children, there's a high calling on your life. And so I want you to be focused on the things that are most important in life. I want you to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All this other stuff, it'll be taken care of. Your father knows you need it. It doesn't work to worry anyway. So just trust him, focus on what's most important. But then he wraps up his whole teaching by saying, but you know what? In order to seek first the kingdom, you have to learn to practice living in the present. You, you can't run off, you can't let your mind run off into tomorrow, what's gonna happen, what could happen, what will happen, that you need to live in this day. And it's the next step we need to take. First step, seek God, 
pursue him in prayer. It's where we hear his voice, we, we get his peace, his perspective, his power, but then the second step is that then we need to, to go out from his presence and start living one day at a time. We need to learn to live in the present. I love how Oswald Chambers puts this. You know, Oswald Chambers is one of my favorite authors. He's, uh, I look at him as a spiritual mentor in my life, even though he lived in the 1900s. Of course, I did too, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, anyway, uh, he wrote a very famous daily devotional. Not always the easiest to follow because he's writing like, what, 1918 or something. It's like the English is kind of old, but, um, but just powerful insights into spiritual life. And that, that, that daily devotional is called My Utmost for His Highest. And uh, he writes on Matthew chapter six, on this very passage. And what I'm doing is splicing together two different days of comments on this same passage from that daily devotional. But follow along, look what he says. He said, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is laying down the rules of conduct for those who have his spirit. People like you and me, people who have been born again in the spirit, who have come to know Jesus. Jesus is laying down the rules of conduct for those who have his spirit in this passage. And it works on this principle. So this is the basic principle. God is my father. He loves me. And catch this, I will never think of anything that he will forget. Isn't that awesome? I'm telling you, I often remind myself when something comes up and suddenly I, oh no, that I remember that hey, that may have taken me by surprise, but it never takes him by surprise. There's nothing I will ever remember that he has forgotten. So I shall never think of anything he will forget, so why should I worry? He says, this is the basic principle of Jesus' teaching. You've got a father, he loves you, he's running the world, he's got you covered. You don't need to worry, it doesn't work anyway. He said, it's, and then he says, it's one of the severest disciplines of the Christian life, and I want you to underline that. He is so true. This is a severe discipline. Learning to live in the present is a spiritual discipline. And it is not easy. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. And this is what he says. It's one of the severest disciplines of the Christian life to allow the Holy Spirit to bring us into harmony or into alignment with the teaching of Jesus in these verses. So Jesus is saying, hey, if you're gonna follow me, um, you need to seek first the kingdom, and you can really do that because my father's got you covered. It doesn't work anyway to worry, so just you need to focus in, but to do this, you have to learn to live one day at a time. Now, can I tell you something that this is important in any time of life, but it is especially important in times of crisis. Because in times of crisis, our minds tend to run away into the future. How will I take care of this? How will I take care of that? What happens here? What if I get sick? What if my kids get sick? What if I lose my job? I already lost my job. How will I pay my rent? What will happen here? What will happen there? What's happening to the economy? What if the stock market never rebounds? What happens if I hit retirement before? It? Our mind tends to go crazy in times of crisis. And Jesus says, hey, if you're gonna follow me and live in my presence and seek first the kingdom, you have got to learn to listen and follow me and live one day 
at a time to live in the present. Now, this is a lesson that fortunately for me, um, the Lord has been teaching me for about the last year or two at a new level. Now, I don't, I don't pretend to have mastered this. I'm still kind of like maybe first grade, but I'm so thankful. This is something he's been teaching me the last year or two, and I wanna share with you a little bit of how the Holy Spirit has been shepherding me um, the last year or two in this area. And, and I share this in the spirit that, that I realize that for every one of us as followers of Jesus, that we have to learn how to hear his voice and how we're wired and that like you can't take one person's way and just put it on someone other person's life. And so, so I'm not sharing this with you so that you'd say, okay, that's how to do this. The reason I'm sharing this is what I found in the past is the more specific I am in terms of saying, here's how it works in my life, the more helpful it is to many of you either to adopt that for your life or to adapt it for your life in some other way the Holy Spirit uses creatively with you. But, but I wanna share with you what the Lord's been doing in my life and I hope this is helpful for you. Uh, so I'd say the last year and a half, I, I, I didn't go back and look when it started, but, but about the last year and a half, the Lord has been teaching me this, is that a follower of Jesus, that if I wanna live in his presence, I have to learn to live in the present because that's where he is. He is the great I am, that it's all present to him. And for me as a follower of Jesus, the past is gone, I can't affect it, and the future has not come, I cannot influence it. That what I have is today, I have this day, literally this 24 hour day, and this is the day I either live in the presence or I don't. This is the day I live under the leadership of King Jesus or I don't. This is the day I listen and I can't put it off till next Thursday. Next Thursday hasn't come yet. This is the only day I have to live in the presence, to seek first the kingdom, to come under the leadership of the spirit, to listen and follow and to live for him. It's the only day I have. And so one of the ways he's been teaching me is that in my personal time with him, it's like part of my spiritual discipline. So I usually spend time with him in the morning. And, uh, and as, as a lot of you know, when I spend time with the Lord, I use an iPad. Now, I used to use like, you know, regular journals, but I just would burn through them so much. And then you know, what do you do with them? And so this way, I don't have to worry about how much paper I'm using up. And so... Uh, so when I'm, when I'm spending time with the Lord, I always start it by opening up my, my journal. Uh, it's, I use an app, in, uh, it's an iOS app called NoteShelf. So I open it up and uh, I always kind of document where I am, what time of day, uh, you know, kind of location or whatever, when I'm gonna spend time with him. And then I'll usually take maybe four or five minutes just to jot down a couple key things that are going on in my life that sort of orient me to, the, to this day and this prayer time I'm gonna be praying about and so on. But usually very early in the process, it may be 15 minutes in, maybe 20, I don't know, but fairly early in the process, I'll begin to pray for this day. And this is something I felt like the Lord has, has taught me to do, to bring this day into the presence and say, Lord, this is the only day I have. This is the only day to live in your presence. I wanna live this day as if it's the only day. 
And so I want to walk you through what I actually do on my iPad. Again, not because you need to do it this way, but I think it'd be helpful for me to share it. And so you may lose me on screen. I think you're going to lose me on screen. You're going to go to my iPad. I'll see, I'll see you. At least I see the red light on the camera. But, uh, but uh, I'll be able to see the screen, but I think you're only going to see the iPad. But that's cool because you've been looking at me for a while. You need a break. All right, so here we go. All right, so I'm going to plug in my, my iPad here. And I'm going to get to this program. Okay, great. So hopefully you can hear me still. All right. So uh, you're still there. I'm still here. All right. So, um, so anyway, when I start my time with the Lord, uh, when I'm praying for things, I always put an ark over whatever I'm praying for. And I, I know I've, sh I've shown you that before, so a lot of you know that. Uh, so I'm going I'm to do that here. I'm going to put an ark over it. Now, what this ark represents to me is the presence of God. Uh, you know, when, when, the, um, when uh, in Genesis chapter 1, when God created the world, that, uh, that we're told that before anything happened, that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And this ark represents to me the Lord hovering over whatever I'm praying about. And so I might be praying for my wife. I might be praying for my family. I might be praying for the church. I might be praying for the coronavirus crisis, whatever. But whatever it is, I'll put the ark over first. And then I'm going to draw on that. Uh, I'm going to create uh, a title box. This is, this is what I'm praying for. And so uh, I'm going to write this day. And again, the reason I'm sharing is, is pretty much every day, I spend with the Lord, this is part of the process. It's the early on, maybe 15, 20 minutes in, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna give this day to you. And as I begin to pray over this day, I begin to write some words over the top of the ark that represent his presence. Then I'm gonna write words like presence. And as I do it, I'm praying, Lord, I just wanna pray for your presence over this day. Uh, I just want to be living in your presence. I want to be seeking first your kingdom. I, I pray, Lord, for the power of your Holy Spirit to be in me today. I want to be listening and following. I want to be filled with your spirit today. Father, I pray for your leadership in my life today. I want to acknowledge you as my king, and I want your kingdom to come on earth as it is in the heavens in my life on this day. And then as I begin to pray through the day, I begin to actually jot down notes about things that are gonna be happening that day, significant events, people, meetings, whatever. Um, and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this, I just want to bring the day before the Lord. And so for example, uh, I might write down, let's, let's pick a day, let's, I'm gonna pick it like Tuesday. And so on Tuesdays, I often have an important leadership team meeting. And so I might write on here just the leadership team And Lord, I just want to, I want you to, I want to give that meeting to you. I want it to be under your leadership and authority. We want this church to be led by you. And so as we meet, as we discuss, would you guide that meeting? Uh, Tuesday's always the day I'm working on the message in a particular way. Whatever message I'm giving that weekend is, I'm going to be working it on Tuesday. So I'm going to pray for the message. And I'm just going to write message here, but um, in, it would probably be more specific, you know, whatever the message is that I'm, I'm giving. Uh, Tuesday is often a day for if I have appointments or, or uh, uh, special meetings that are not normal meetings, often Tuesday afternoon. And so I'll pray for that meeting. But as I'm praying for these different things throughout my day, 
Uh, fairly early on in this process, uh, I'm going to write some scripture down. It's going to be from memory, some, uh, some scripture that I'm memory, uh, memorizing. And the most, uh, the most common scripture that I, memorize, that I will be writing down here to enter into the presence of God is uh, the verses that we study Matthew, from Matthew chapter 6. And so um, what I found in my life is it's often very helpful for me to memorize passages of scripture that I'm very familiar with to memorize them in different languages uh, or in uh, different versions of the Bible. Sometimes you get very familiar with a passage, seek first the kingdom, you know it so well, you don't even think about it. So to memorize it in another translation or another language, if you work in other languages, can be very helpful. And so right down here at the bottom, I'll often, almost every day, I'll do this, I'll write, seek first the kingdom. And I'll actually write, I'm not going to do it now just for time, but I'll, I'll be writing out the entire verse. And then I'll write the, the second verse about do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. And as I'm writing down, what I find is the Holy Spirit's often like highlighting certain key words on that day. Like, for example, earlier this week, you know, it says seek first the kingdom. And uh, as I was reading, that word first jumped out. Michael, this is the only thing you have to do in this time of crisis. Seek me, seek this first. This is your top priority. Other days, there'll be other things. But it's a way of bringing my life under the leadership of King Jesus for that day. And realize that this is the only day I have. And so I want to live this day in the present. So I think that's you kind of get the idea. But this has become a very powerful spiritual discipline in my life that almost every day in my time with him, I come before him and I put this day and I list out what's happening on this day and I say, I wanna live this day for that day. I want this day to be underneath your leadership. And what I found is it's so helpful for me because I, like you, throughout the day when my mind starts to worry or to run to future days, just to remember No, no, this is the day. Now, just to be clear, when I say that this is the day, we want to focus on this day, I don't mean that we don't plan for the future. Uh, Because often, that's what the Lord has for this day. You know, the book of Proverbs is big on planning. And often on this day, part of this day is planning for that day. And that's what the Lord's calling us to. For those who know me well, you know I love strategic planning. And so that's something I love to do. And I enjoy doing that. And so, but there's something very different about planning for the future in the Lord's presence on this day than worrying about the future in my presence for, uh, for, uh, you know, for, for the future day. Something entirely different, right? And so if we, this is how we cope with the crisis. We pursue God. We seek him uh, in prayer. Uh, it's where we, where we hear his voice. It's where we experience his peace, his power. But then we need to practice this discipline of living one day at a time. And that's so important, especially in times of crisis. Because worry has the capacity to completely distract and derail us spiritually. And so we have to keep coming back to this day and say, Lord, I wanna live this day under your leadership and I know that I can trust you for tomorrow because you are my father and you've got my back. And so I can trust you on this day for that day 
this day, I want to be focused on what you have, what you're saying, how you're leading, how you're guiding. I want to live this day in your presence under the leadership of your spirit. I want to listen and follow and seek your kingdom on this day. Amen? Amen. So number three is much easier to understand. And number three goes like this, stay connected. You know, you and I are created as relational people. Uh, We are created in the image of God. We know that from Genesis 1. And one thing we know about God is that God is relational, that uh, he is the tri-personal God. He's the the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He has lived in a relationship of love and community for all eternity. And this is the relationship he calls us into, into this fellowship of the Trinity when we come to Christ with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But though he calls us into relationship with himself, he doesn't call us just into relationship with himself. When a man or woman comes to Jesus, we enter in this new relationship with God as Father. But since if God is Father, then it means that you and I are now brothers and sisters. And so we are created for relationship. This is why in Genesis 2, God says it's not good for the man to be alone. And that that is much bigger than just marriage, that we are created for relationship. And so in times of, of crisis, it is so important that we stay connected. I love what Solomon writes about this in Ecclesiastes chapter four. There in your notes, he says, two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, like time of crisis, one can help the other up but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And that catches, though one may be overpowered, again, time of crisis, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is even better. It's not quickly broken. And so, And the Bible says is that in times of crisis, we need to stay connected, not just vertically with our Father, but horizontally with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And especially with those who help us catch this, find our strength in God. There's a beautiful story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, in the Old Testament, about David before he becomes king. And You know, David was anointed by Samuel the prophet when he was very young, and it was prophesied over him he would be the next king. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and empowered him, and he had an amazing string of victories. He took down Goliath. He became a national hero overnight. He rose in the military. He married the king's daughter. Everything was looking great. But then all of a sudden, King Saul begins to get jealous of this young upstart, And so he begins to uh, try to take him out, to try to kill him. And as a result of that, David has has to flee for his life, and he's on the run for many years, often just a step away from death. And during that time, David, in spite of the prophecies, in spite of the anointing by Samuel, in spite of the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him, in spite of all the string of victories and all God had done, there's times when, when he would lose perspective. He would lose his faith. And in 1 Samuel 23, we're told of one of those times when his friend Jonathan, who's the son of King Saul, the crown prince, he comes to his friend in the desert. He's in the desert of Ziph, which no wonder you're depressed if you're in the desert of Ziph. Very depressing. But on your note sheet, follow along. He says, when David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, there you go, uh, 
he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And I would add, again, this has been going on. And so Saul's son, Jonathan, the crown prince, he went to David at Horish, his best friend. And I want you to underline this in your note sheet. He helped him find strength in God. He didn't just give him some sort of, hey, you know, don't worry, be happy, sing the song, right? He, uh, he, he went beyond that. He gave him true encouragement by reminding David who David was, who God was, and what God had done in the past and what God was gonna do in the future. You see, David had lost sight. And during times of crisis, you and I can lose touch with who God is, who we are, what he's done in the past, and what he's promised to do in the future. And we need people around us to help us find strength in God, to remind us who we are, who God is, what he's done for us in the past, and what he's gonna do for us in the future. And this is what Jonathan did. He comes to his friend. His friend is depressed. He's in the desert of Zip. Who wouldn't be depressed? And he says to him, don't be afraid. Catch that. We saw that last week. Don't be afraid. How many times in the Bible? Right, 365 times. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He says, my father, King Saul, will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel. I will be second to you. Even my father, Saul, knows this. Now the question is, how does Jonathan know this? His dad is the king. His dad is tracking David. David's often a step away from death. How could he be so confident? And the answer is, he wasn't in a crisis. His friend was. When you're in a crisis, you tend to lose perspective. And this is why we need people in our life who are around us who can speak God's strength to us in time of crisis. And so Jonathan knew the prophet Samuel had anointed him. He knew he'd been prophesied over. He knew the spirit of God had come over him. He had seen him take out Goliath. He had seen him rise in the ranks. He had seen God protect him. And he's able to speak the truth into his friend's life. And during times of crisis, we need men and women who can speak the truth into our lives. And that is why it's so important in this time of social distancing, we do not allow ourselves to be spiritually distanced. We need to be actively pursuing connection and especially with people who help us find our strength in God. This is why, as a church, that we have worked so hard to put our services online, right? Last, last weekend, I talked to you that if we're gonna pursue Jesus, we need the three-legged stool, right? We need to pursue him in large group times. We need to pursue him in small groups. We need to pursue him one-on-one, right? So that's why we have worked so hard to put this service online, because we need to, to be connected, Yes, we're separated physically, but we don't have to be separated spiritually. You're in your home, I'm here at stage, but we are connected through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's speaking through me, he's speaking to you. You're writing me back during the week. We are connected as a church, and it's important that we stay connected. This is why we're pushing so hard that we will not shut down our life groups, we will take them to a whole new level. We will, we will, Get Zoom packets. We will get Zoom licenses, right? We, will, we want to Zoom together, right? We, we want to pursue God together. We're not gonna let this stop us. We are going to connect. We're gonna learn how to do this. 
because in times of crisis, we need one another. But let me tell you this. It's not just weekly online or weekly in small group. We need to be connecting daily. There's a great passage in the book of Hebrews. You know, the, the book of Hebrews was written in a time of total crisis. These were Jewish believers who'd come to Jesus, believed that he was the Messiah, given him their life, but now they're experiencing incredible persecution and many are being tempted to renounce Jesus as Messiah, go back to their old synagogues just to avoid persecution. So the whole book is a, is a book written in crisis. And when you get to chapter three, the author puts it this way. He says, encourage one another, how often? Daily. He says, you're in the midst of a crisis. You need to encourage each other daily as long as it's still called today, which my life group doesn't always honor. Sometimes they text me at 1243 in the morning. But anyway, it's like, well, it's a new day. <laughs> encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, catch this, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Notice that the lies of the enemy will not get to you. And so I want to encourage you to stay connected. And there's so many ways to do that. I know one of the ways that we've done in my life group, we've done this for a long time, but, but we use the, the app WhatsApp. That's uh, just an amazing app for your phones, uh, text, uh, a texting app. And you know what? Can I tell you that, that we have a big group, but we're so connected. Like every day, every day we are connected we're sharing what is God saying? What is God teaching us? What are we learning? What do we need prayer for? What are our challenges? Where do we need help? Every day, we are connecting throughout the day. In the midst of crisis, it's not enough to be encouraged once a week. Like we need to be proactively seeking connection and especially with people who help us find strength in God. Now, number four, the fourth step is to watch for opportunities. It's interesting, if you've ever read much uh, like self-help or so, uh, kind of motivational speakers or, or even pastors or politicians, um, that, that often, you, you may have heard this, it's often said that in Chinese, you know, in the Chinese language, in Chinese, the, uh, the character for crisis is the same character for opportunity. And uh, I went online this week to check it out, and it turns out probably not true. But the reason it's become so popular, quoted so often, is because it captures an extremely important truth. The times of crisis are often times of opportunity. Let me give you an example. Uh, I remember way back in 1986, this is like 35 years ago, but legendary investor, he wasn't as legendary at the time, but legendary investor Warren Buffett in writing a letter to his company, you know, Ber uh, Berkshire uh, Hathaway uh, Investment Company, that he wrote this there in your note sheet. He wrote, be fearful when, uh, this is in terms of financial investing. He said, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. And the question is, what does he mean? What he's saying is that, hey, when the stock market's going crazy and everyone's making a ton of money, like everyone wants to jump in, but he said, hey, be very cautious. But in times when there's downturn, like we're in right now, when everyone's jumping off, he said, be very alert. This is the time of great opportunity. 
And what is true in the financial world is also true in all of life. This is a time of incredible crisis, and I don't want to minimize that in... Siri's talking to me, I'm sorry. I'll get back to you later. Um, This is a time of incredible crisis. It's hitting many of us very hard. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you are underemployed. Some of you are trying, you're pulling your hair out because you don't know what to do with your kids. You got your kids at home. You're trying to homeschool. You're trying to to, to telecommute from work. Uh, It's just a crazy time. Some of you are You've got relatives who are sick or you're afraid for them. You, you know, you're all staying in the house. It's a crazy time. But what I want you to catch is that times of crisis also are often times of opportunity. And we need to be asking God to open our eyes and saying, Lord, what are you doing in this time of crisis? And what do you want to do in my life, in my life group, in my family, in my career, in my personal relationship with you, in the world at large? What are you doing and how can I work with you? Like, let me give you an example. Last week, we talked about the three-legged stool and how important it is to pursue God in all three ways, large group, small group, one-on-one. And you know, for some of you, the Holy Spirit has been talking to you a long time, drawing you to spend time with him, to build a habit into your life, a spiritual habit, a regular rhythm of relationship in your your everyday life or in your weekly life where you're pursuing him one-on-one. And you've wanted to do that, but you've had so many excuses. And sometimes you say, I'm just too busy. I don't want to do it. I've got this long commute. And suddenly your whole schedule has changed. And is it possible the Holy Spirit's calling to you and saying, now is the time to pursue me and to begin to build this habit into your life. It's going to change your life forever. You know, for some of you right now, I know that many of you, you've got young kids You are, like I said, telecommuting. The kids are around your ankles. You're trying to work. It's crazy. You're trying to homeschool them now. Craziness. But you know, in the midst of that, don't miss the opportunity. There's a chance of a lifetime to build memories you'll never forget. You know, this week, it was our anniversary, Lindsay and my anniversary, and we couldn't do what we normally did, right? And it was tempting just to say, well, we'll just do nothing. But we didn't want to do that. And so we decided to kind of go big. And we decided, hey, what? You know, why don't we drive to Ojai? It's a beautiful drive. No one's on the road. Why don't we drive to Ojai? Let's call up our favorite Italian restaurant, Bacali's up there. Let's see if they're open for takeout. We drove up there, had an amazing drive, beautiful, just beautiful scenery, took our takeout, went to this really historic lookout over the Ojai Valley turned on our favorite tunes, had some great conversation, enjoyed a beautiful Italian feast sitting in our car. Can I tell you something? That there's a lot of anniversaries I can't remember. In fact, don't tell Lynn, but it's pretty much all of them. But this one is one I will never forget. I will never forget. And God is gonna give all of us incredible opportunities. My daughter called me this week, texted me this week early in the morning, said, Dad, do you still have that backpacking tent? She's got a young daughter kind of driving her crazy. The house is too small. Wishes they had another room just to get out in. They're trying to really stay in, protect themselves from the disease. And she had this great idea. And so she borrowed my tent and two sleeping bags out in their patio in the backyard. They set up a tent. They've now got an instant playroom. And you know what they also have? They've got instant memories. Can I tell you something? Her daughter will never forget this time. Right. 
And for many of us, there's gonna be opportunities. For some of you, you're out of work right now. You've lost your job and you're, you're feeling the pressure of that. And I get that, but do you know what? I remember the time when I was young and lost my job. I was fired from my job. They didn't say I was fired. They said I was let go for administrative reasons, but I was really fired. And it was pretty devastating, right? It was pretty devastating. But a friend of mine spoke into my life like Jonathan spoke into David and said, I see God in this. And I think you're gonna see God. Like God is on the move. And can I tell you, just a couple months later, I was hired by uh, this little church that later became North Coast Church that became foundation for my whole life and ministry. You never know what God is doing in a crisis. And we need to watch for it. For some of you, God is gonna unleash the spiritual gifts we learned about in the next series. For some of you, God is gonna call you to new levels of generosity. There's gonna be people in your life group are hurting and God is gonna put it on your heart to meet that need in sacrificial ways you've never done and it's gonna open up an adventure of giving and receiving you've never experienced. For some of you, God is gonna give you the opportunity to share Jesus with friends and family who never before would have listened but now because of this crisis, they're open. Some of you have told me you've been sending the links to our services to, to relatives who have been never would listen, but, but they are listening now. There is incredible opportunity, and we just want to be open to whatever God is doing. You know, as a church, it's interesting. For the last year or two, we've been talking about live streaming our services, talking, debating, researching, but it costs a lot of money to do it well, and we've just been trying to be good stewards of managing the cost versus the benefit, the rewards. And, uh, and we've been praying over this and honestly just have not felt a green light. Felt like a great idea, but not a green light. But I tell you something, the week before the governor began to shut down California, I felt like the Holy Spirit put in my heart, said now is the time. And I shared it with our team before the governor's announcement. And we began to run hard. We put a date on the calendar and it was the very next day that the governor made his announcements about no gathering over 250 or whatever it was. And that week we were able to go online. And you know what? It's been amazing. I've been sharing it with you, but we've been hearing from people around the country and around the world. Many of them people that once attended with Rocky Peak I attended Rocky Peak, but it just never really connected in the same way somewhere else. And they're just so excited to be reconnected and to be sharing with their friends. I have an incredible email that I wanted to share with you for after the very first week. And uh, this was from a man in Las Vegas. And of course, they need Jesus there. And uh, he said, it's, uh, it's been a few years since I attended Rocky Peak medical concerns in our family, and then a move to Las Vegas five years ago has kept me from attending in person. He gave me permission to share this, by the way. He said, however, Rocky Peak has still remained my home. It's where I've grown the most. Over this time, I've maintained contact with many members and have been so happy to watch services online. He said, what Rocky Peak started last week with a live broadcast of services is allowing those who regularly attend online to still get to receive the message of hope that those of us who are remote attenders have been needing. I want you to thank you for the leadership, the teaching and outpouring of love that's felt even far away. And here's the good part. My girlfriend is a Filipina Christian, living and working in Hong Kong. As you can imagine, life has changed so much for her in the past couple of months. 
She has been through lockdowns, through quarantines. She was in China for the Lunar New Year. And, the, and she's still going through the ongoing enclosure of many facilities, including the, the community center where her church, the Refuge Baptist Church, meets on a weekly basis. She and I are praying together on a daily basis and completing devotionals together. Last week, she and I were finally able to attend church together, even though we're 7,000 miles apart. Rocky Peak has brought us together. When this worldwide pandemic begins to subside, we'll finally be able to walk into a church hand in hand and begin our ministry together as a married couple. Last, message, last week, your message hit us right where we live. Our hearts are open to whatever God has planned for us and the message he's strengthened. We will be attending this Saturday night. He said, me from my kitchen table in Las Vegas and Raquel from the park near her home by the seaside in Hong Kong on a Sunday morning at 8.30, a 15-hour time differential. The daily messages on Instagram, today's worship time on Instagram, and all that that Rocky Peak is doing are very much appreciated. We continue to pray for the leadership and all the people of the church at Rocky Peak. Our vision is to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers. And God is using this crisis to extend our reach in ways that we not imagine. And what's true of our life as a church is true of your life. I want you to be watching and asking the Lord, God, what are the opportunities? I know the problems, I know the crisis, but what are the opportunities that I need to be greedy about right now? And then number five. Number five is to stay calm in the storm. And I can see we're pretty much out of time, but who cares, you've got no place to go. <laughs> so I'm gonna keep on going. Stay calm in the storm. You know, today we started this, the day with a story of this teen that's enjoying dinner together. It's late at night. They've had this uh, reunion. You know, they've, they've come from all over. The first time together, all together in a long time. And they're reminiscing and they're telling stories. And, and one of the men begins to tell one of his famous stories of their time together as a team. And as he begins to describe the scene their minds all drift back to that day. It was so hot that day, and it was so long. And by the time the day was over, they were so tired. They just wanted to go home and go to bed, but they were a long way from home. They, they, they had another few hours to travel. So they, 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 they piled into a couple of vessels, headed off, and, and, and once the darkness hit, they, they found themselves in the midst of the perfect storm. And though they're experienced seamen in many ways, that they first began to get concerned that as the waters begin to pile over and the ship begins to be swamped, they begin to panic. And you may recognize this story. This is a true story from the life of Jesus. It's told in Matthew ch or Mark chapter four. Jesus has been teaching all day, long day, teaching by the sea, the end of the day, it's evening setting on. He says to his men, let's go over the sea. Let's go to the other side, which can take several hours. So they take off and the sunset goes down and now it's nighttime. Then all of a sudden this huge storm comes up, which is very typical of the Sea of Galilee, the way the geography works there. You get these violent storms that come up without warning. And so it's dark. The men can't even see each other. They're in several boats. 
and uh, the wind is howling and the waves are rising. And I want you to picture this in your mind's eye. These are, these are not big boats and they are, they're going up and down the waves. Uh, they're like, like a cork on, on, on the ocean just bobbing up and down. And now water's coming over the edge and it's and not just a little bit, it's starting to swamp the boat. And about this point in time, one of the men looks back into one of the boats and at the back of the boat, in the stern of the boat, um, there's Jesus, and he's asleep. And I mean, you, you got to picture this. This is crazy. I mean, this, this boat is rocking and rolling. It's in danger of being swamped. Water's coming over. He's got to be soaked, but he's so exhausted that he's just curled up in the back of this little boat, finds a little leather pillow, Mark says, puts his head on, goes to sleep, and he's not waking up for anything. And when the men see it, they're panicking and they're freaking out. Their leader is asleep and you can hear the irritation in their voice and they wake him up and they say, Rabbi, don't you care we're drowning? Don't, you're not aware of what the crisis is and you don't care about the crisis. You don't care about us. And I love it. Jesus wakes up and he's got to be a morning person because he's just boom. <laughs> he just wakes up, he stands up and he starts giving orders. He tells the wind of the waves to knock it off. In fact, in the text, it says he rebuked them. And they just said, okay, and they just went back. They went back to where they came. And, it just, and all of a sudden, his men now, they're like, they're terrified. They're more scared of him than, than they are the, the storm. Like, who is this guy? And then Jesus asks this question, and it's the greatest question. It's the last thing I'd expect him to say. And if I was there, I think I might have thought he's crazy. But he asks him the question, why were you afraid, you little face? He made up this term. There's not even, no one else even used this term in Greek words, you little face. It's like his pet name for them. He said, why are you so afraid, you little face? And like if I'm there, I'm thinking, why are we so afraid? Are you crazy? We almost died. And you're asleep. You don't even know what's going on, let alone care about us what's going on. What do you mean? Why are we afraid? But for Jesus, he's at perfect peace in the midst of the storm. He says, don't you realize who I am? Like, don't you get it? Don't you realize when I'm in the boat, you're safe? <laughs> when I'm in the boat, it doesn't matter how big the storm is, the waves are, the wind, if I'm in the boat, you're good to go. You're safe. And God has been challenging me the last couple of weeks with this, this passage. It's become powerful to me. It's like, hey, just remember who's in the boat. In the midst of our storms, in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of everything, we need to seek the Lord. We need to pursue him in prayer. We need to learn how to live one day at a time. We need to stay connected with one another. We need to watch for opportunities. And then we need to stop freaking out. Because we know who's in the boat. And if Jesus is in the boat, then all will be, in the long run, most well. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for this time that we can gather digitally around the world in our living rooms, in our dens, at our kitchen tables, at in a park, at a rec center, wherever we are. 
we can gather together as what? That though we are socially distanced, we are not spiritually distanced. Though we are physically separated, spiritually we're united. There's one spirit. There's one Father. There's one God. There's one Lord Jesus. And that we all share and that we are connected. And God, as we enter into worship now, we reflect on this amazing question, why are you so afraid, you little face? May you speak to us and remind us that when you were in the boat, no matter how hard the wind may howl, and no matter how high the winds may rise, there is no need to be afraid. We can fear not. We don't have to worry about tomorrow because we have a Father who loves us. We've got a Savior who's with us. And that when we're with you in the boat, all will be most well. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, they're home. Amen.